0: Father, thanks that you send your spirit to meet us in our weakness. We're desperate for that. Help us see it. Help us not uh, to try and uh, fight our weakness or produce certain results or uh, become paralyzed in our weakness, but help us have a posture towards you in prayer, knowing that uh, you intercede for us, You speak on our behalf, those of us that have committed our lives to you, to follow you, to um, walk with you. uh, You meet us in that weakness. Would you help us see it this morning? Would you help change our position, our posture, our hearts uh, when it comes to suffering and pain and confusing situations and not knowing what to pray? Uh, Would you help us understand what it means to come as a child, to come freely, to come honestly? and meet us in our need, meet us in our mess, and translate the things that uh, our hearts need most. So would you do it this morning? Would you give us eyes to see it, ears to hear it, hearts to be soft, to be transformed, and molded to the image of your son? We ask that you would do it, and we pray in your son's name. Amen. Okay, finish this phrase for me. Those that know it, I was asking some younger people, because I didn't know if this was a generational thing, but they got it right away this morning. Um, If you don't have anything nice to say, say almost everybody knows it. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. How many of you heard that growing up at some point from a teacher, from a parent, from someone? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Um, I think there's good biblical grounds for that statement in the case that the Bible talks all over the place about how we talk to one another, how our tongue can be a device for um, something good and beautiful and healing, or it can be something very destructive and damaging. Like a scalpel, it can be used in the right hands for surgery in a good way, or it can be used to cut and harm and hurt. Some of you guys might have, uh, if you grew up in Christian homes and that phrase was said to you, Ephesians 4.29 might be tacked on to kind of the reason. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Uh, Ephesians 4.29 just says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen." Again, in the Bible, James 3 specifically talks all about the tongue, that we should be quick to what? Listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, and how our tongue can be used for a lot of good and a lot of damage. Um, Speaking of being slow to speak, I have one friend that uh, grew up. In a home where, as a child, he was just, he was very quick to speak, just like, he would just talk all the time. And his dad sat him down one time and just said, here's what I want you to do. Um, Before you say anything, count to three in your head. Count to three in your head. I don't want you to, I don't want to hear you speak until you slow down, you count to three in your head, and then you can speak. Right? Proverbs 21, verse 23 says, whoever keeps his mouth and tongue keeps himself out of trouble that can be a good thing. But when the Bible talks about our tongue, and it talks about the words we use, um, it's uh, the verses we just talked about, and this idea of if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, it's talking horizontally with our relationships with one another. Because we can hurt one another with what we say, and how we say, it. and the Bible's saying, be careful about that. But if we project this idea of if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, to our vertical relationship and our prayer with the Lord, how does that affect us? If we come into the space and go like, okay, if I I can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, and I have a reverence for God because he's a holy God, I don't wanna disrespect him, and so all of a sudden I get paralyzed and I don't say anything to God, Because I don't want to say all the negative things. But the Bible doesn't talk about prayer that way. Talks about our horizontal relationship that way with one another. To be careful what we say. But the vertical aspect of our relationship. God does not say you need to count to three before you speak to me. He actually says the opposite of that. He says come to me. I want your full vulnerability. I want your anger. I want your frustration. I want your confusion. And what we're going to find in our text today, which is what is beautiful, that if you are a Christian, if you follow Jesus, you have the spirit inside of you, and he actually steps in to intercede and to translate to the Father on your behalf. And so we need to begin to understand what this looks like in the life of prayer and our vertical relationship to God instead of being stuck and feeling like, I don't know if I can pray. And then we don't pray. I feel like that's one of the enemy's great strategies to get us stuck to not to commune with the Father. And what we're gonna see in these two verses this morning, kind of this big idea, is this. When we're in pain, because this is the context of of the passage, when we're in pain, we can often become paralyzed in prayer because of our perfectionistic practices. When we're in pain, we can often become paralyzed in prayer because of our perfectionistic practices. The sermon today is brought to you by the letter P, as you can see. And clearly, I don't know what I was thinking when I wrote this, but that's, that's lots of P's in there today. But isn't this true that sometimes if we, again, project or have this idea that if we don't say anything good, don't say anything at all, so then when we get in this space of pain and confusion and frustration and we go, well, I, I, I don't know what I should pray, and so I don't pray anything. I'm not open, I'm not vulnerable with God because I don't want to disrespect him. Like God's big enough to handle it. He invites it. We need to understand that um, because again, one one of the tactics I believe of the enemy is to get us stuck, to make us believe that God doesn't really care about our pain and God cares deeply about our pain. So if you have a Bible, if it's not already there, open it to Romans chapter 8. Again, we're only looking at two verses. If you're new with us, we've been walking through this series called Life in the Spirit, Romans chapter 8. We've just been walking through verse by verse of Romans chapter 8. We have this week and then one more week to go. And then we will jump into 1 John. We'll spend 13 weeks in 1 John, most of the summer. And then once we come out of that in September, we will jump into the book of Revelation. And we're going to walk through the entire book of Revelation. It's it's going to be real light and easy. (laughs) It'll be great. It'll be great. So the context of we're in, it, it, we're jumping into this series just to, to remind you, this is kind of, uh, Paul is writing to this church in Rome, they've been divided, he's writing like, this is how the gospel unites you, this is actually what's true, if you find yourself in Jesus, this is beautiful truth, in chapter 5 through chapter 8, it's kind of this one long running argument that Paul has, he comes out of chapter 7 going like, man, I do this terrible stuff, my behavior doesn't match what I want to do, I don't do, and what I, I don't do, I I. I do and he's, he's a mess behaviorally and then he comes in in chapter 8 going but you know what's true of me in Christ and what's true of you is that there's no condemnation you actually are free if you're in Christ it's not about your behavior it's about your belief that you're free in Christ and he says because of that you have a new source a new power source for living and it's the spirit God indwelt in you inside of you that he is close to you And again, imagine if Jesus were here in the flesh today and if he were walking around with you, if he was part of your family and he just went everywhere with you, how confident would you feel if Jesus was right next to you all the time? Man, that would be unbelievable. And Jesus says, I'm actually sending a better way. I'm sending the Spirit to be with you all the time. God's Spirit lives in you if you've given your life to Him. And so you have a new power source for living out this life. The Spirit allows you to love God and love others. You couldn't do that before with the law, but now you can do it in the context of the Spirit. How do you do it? You set your mind not on the things of the flesh, but on the things of the Spirit. You marinate on the things of the spirit. You trust the spirit. You don't trust the things of the flesh. And how easy is it for us to just kind of slowly erode from trusting God and trusting ourselves? And Paul said, don't do that. Trust the spirit. He's in you. He's with you. He wants to work this stuff out in you. And so you're supposed to trust uh, 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 your mind to the things of the Spirit, not to the things of the flesh, because he says, don't you know that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, dwells in you? You have access to that type of power. You do if you are a Christian. And because of that, you're to put to death by the Spirit, not by your own power, but by the Spirit, the things of the flesh. There's victory for the Christian life as we trust God more than we trust ourselves. And then he says, because of that, you are no longer a slave to fear. You don't have to be a slave to fear anymore. You had to be a slave to fear before Jesus opened your eyes to who he is. His spirit comes inside of you. You were a slave to that fear. But now you're not a slave to fear anymore. You're actually a child of God. You can cry, Abba, Father, because you have been adopted sons and daughters of God. And we talked a couple weeks ago of some of those indicators of being adopted children of God, that you have this security that the world doesn't offer. You have this intimacy with the Father. You have an assurance. You have an inheritance. And then he tacks on at the end, if you are a child of God, you also have shared suffering. Because what it means to follow Jesus into the path, down into the bottom of the J, into death, and then up into life, there's this shared suffering that's attached to being a child of God. Not only because we live in a broken world, but because as we are called to love like Jesus loves, we're called to go down into death. And there's always death involved when you love your enemies. There's death of your own preferences. Lots of death. And so there's a shared suffering involved in being an adopted child of God, and then he goes into kind of that suffering, which is what we talked about last week, but he goes, man, you're suffering. If you're a Christian, you suffer differently from a non-Christian. You actually can suffer with hope, and not hope that's like, well, I hope this happens, kind of this wishful thinking, but a hope that's guaranteed, because the Bible talks about the word hope, meaning like it's guaranteed you're just waiting for it to happen, And because Christians, we have this hope in Jesus, our anchor is in Jesus, it allows us to suffer differently. We can suffer with hope and a different perspective. And not only does hope sustain us in our time of suffering, but the Spirit sustains us in our time of suffering. And that's what we're going to see this morning. Paul uses the language or the illustration of groaning. Right? What we saw starting last week and what we're going to see this week in verse 22, he talks about the creation groaning, that everything because of sin is out of whack. It's misaligned. It's not the way it's meant to be. And so the creation is groaning constantly. We talked about it last week, that we're going to feel the tangible expression of the creation groaning when it's 120 degrees in a couple weeks. Like that's creation groaning. That's not how it's meant to be. The new heaven and the new earth, it won't be 120 in the summer here. It won't. I know we can't imagine it, but that's true. It's the creation groaning because of sin. Not only does the creation groaning, verse 22, verse 23, we groan. As Christians, we're groaning because of the suffering and going, like, this isn't right. This isn't how it, it's meant to be. And then in verse 26, there's another um, thing that's groaning, and that is the Spirit. God himself is groaning on our Behalf, which should give us massive comfort. So, verses 26 and 27, let's read it together again of chapter 8. Paul picks up his argument, continues it. He says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We're just going to kind of break down these two verses collectively. Um, The first part says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. When you're weak, when you experience pain, when you experience suffering, do you know that you have a helper? Do you know that God wants to meet you in your weakness? He's right there with you. It's different when we come into this space and maybe life is going good. I was, I was sick this week for one day and I felt really weak. And my reality felt different when I felt weak. I was like, I can't do anything. This is terrible. Do you know in your weakness that God wants to meet you? That he wants to help you? Because sometimes in the Christian life, we get into situations, um, and and the next part is like when we're weak, the Spirit is there to help us, for we do not know what to pray as we ought. Man, have you experienced that in your life if you follow Jesus for a certain amount of time, and then something happens in your life circumstantially, and it's so deep, it hurts so much, it's so disorienting, you just go like, "I, I I don't know what to pray. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know what I should be praying right now that hasn't happened to you and you're a follower of Jesus, it, it will, just wait for it to happen. So there's such comfort in the idea that the Spirit helps us in our weakness when we don't know what to pray, we don't know what to pray. Um, for those of you that have been around a while here at Redemption Peoria, we, we planted the church in 2015. I was one of the elders, Jim Ellis was one of the elders, um, and uh, we, we got the th- thing off the ground, and we're going, and we're growing, and, and uh, there were ups and downs in the midst of our leadership, and uh, Josh Miles, who was our worship pastor, led us through worship, uh, was a part of the original plant, and um, in uh, 2020, a couple months into COVID, man, we made some leadership changes, and it was just, it was a dumpster fire. It was a mess, man. Like you, uh, if, if you weren't here, and you know, if you've been around church at all, it's, it's, it's not a surprise. It's kind of an old story, right? Um, but in the midst of that, we had an interim uh, redemption, uh, brought somebody in for six months, which was massively helpful for us and our staff as we're disoriented and trying to figure out life. And it was painful, painful for many of you, painful for us on staff, trying to figure out what is God calling us to do. In the midst of that, um, that pain, we got a little... Um, time away, uh, which was massively helpful to pray and seek the Lord and listen to Him. Um, and in the midst of that, my name got put on the table to, to uh, step into the lead role, of the lead pastor role, and felt like the Lord was saying, yes, do it. And so I said, yes, even though I was like, this doesn't, I don't want to do this. Um, it's like, the Lord's leading, okay. So I stepped in, that was uh, a little over two years ago. In the midst of that, Josh Miles, who's our, our worship pastor, stayed here, and it was like, okay, if Josh is here. We're going to be good. Like that's what I was thinking, going like, okay, as long as Josh is here, there's some stability. He has, he has shepherded us so well through so many transitions in the up and down since we planted. Um, I love the guy. He was probably one of my best friends, one of my closest friends. So we're a couple months into me being uh, the new lead pastor. And I remember, it was like, he's yesterday. He comes into our office, and it's just him and I. We're sitting down for a one-on-one talk, and he goes, hey, man, uh, somebody reached out to me. Um, about a position in South Carolina. And Josh and his wife are from North Carolina. They've been looking to get back to the East Coast because they have little kids and they want to be around their family. And Josh never thought it was anywhere in the possibilities for him to transition. Uh, And this opportunity was an opportunity where they could move and he could do what he was doing in a different location. So I was really hurt by that. Um and I love Josh, I love him to death, but I was like, what? <laughs> like, we just got through this, and now it felt like Gideon, like, when God's like, go down, oh, no, 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 that's too many, you you know, I'm like, what? Like, I, like I'm going like, Josh, you, so like, and he was, he, in, 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 in his defense, like, he was, he was bringing it in front of me, he's like, I want you to pray about this with me, like, I want to trust the Lord, I want to listen to his call, this isn't some something I'm taking lightly. Um, I love what God is doing here and what we're doing here. And so it was massively difficult. How am I supposed to pray for him to leave when I'm going, that's the last thing I want? And man, I just went through all the stages of, of grief. If you're familiar, I was in total denial. I was like, no, 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 That's not a real offer on the table. What are you talking about, Josh? That's not gonna happen. You're crazy. And then I was angry and I was like, What? what, what, what? No, you cannot leave. What are you talking about? We've gone through all of this, and now, like, it was tapping into all my abandonment issues as a young kid. Like, it was all kinds of stuff, right? So I'm in denial. I'm angry. Then I start bargaining. Well, Josh, do you need more money? Like, what, like l- let me at least match the offer. Like, nobody's even talked. Like, nobody's reached out to me. What if you're a terrible person? They're just taking your word for it? Like, what's going on here? I was bargaining, and then I was depressed, uh, and finally it came to acceptance. Like, it was full circle, right, to go like... And in that in that space in that time, as he's having conversations with those people, he's having conversations with me. We're praying. I'm knowing nobody else is knowing. I'm going like, if Josh leaves, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be such a blow to our people that have been through so much already. How am I supposed to pray in that season? I go, I don't, I don't know how to pray. What do you want me to pray? God, do you want me to pray? No, stop, the, the, take the church out the, in South Carolina. Like, am I supposed to pray? God, don't, don't let him go. Am I supposed, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to pray in the moment. I don't know. Because I'm in massive pain, I'm in confusion, I'm going, what, what, what should I pray? I know I need to pray, but I, 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 I don't have words for what I should be praying. I didn't know what I should be praying. And the beauty of this text is it's just like, that's okay. Just pray what you're feeling. Be honest. The Spirit steps in and intercedes. All that stuff that I was working through, all the stuff you're working through, I mean, uh, try parenting teenagers. I mean, that'll get you to pray like, I don't know what I'm supposed to pray here. Should, should I be more truth? Should I be more grace? Like, how am I supposed to have this conversation? Like, I don't know what to pray. And the spirit goes, that's okay. I'm going to come in. I'm going to intercede for you. Like, just pray your heart. Pray your guts. Like, just be vulnerable with the Lord. But if we attach this idea of, like, if I don't say anything, if I don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all, I'll never pray. And so the spirit, in his goodness, in his kindness, presses us to go be vulnerable, be messy, I know you don't know. I know you don't know what to pray. Just come to me anyway. And if you were here at our Praying Life seminar that See Jesus hosted last fall, you'd be familiar with this illustration, which has just been really helpful for me. Um, But it's this idea of when you get in that space and, and, and sometimes you go to pray if you're a follower of Jesus and you're just like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm feeling right now, but it doesn't feel holy, and so like your unholy thoughts and all your emotions and you just kind of want to shove it under the water like a beach ball you put under the water, right? And we can do this, and when we do this, what happens if you take a ball like this, whether it's in your pool or you're in the ocean, and you just shove it under the water? What, what happens? It eventually comes up, right? And so what the Spirit, what God is asking us to do in our prayer life when we come to Him is not to go like, ah, I'm going to shove it down. I'm or, or sometimes we go like this, God, I'm good. I trust your sovereignty with Josh. Maybe they need him over there. <laughs> no, like, like that's not how I'm really feeling. And so instead of hiding behind our back with God knows everything, it says uh, the, the, the Father test. He knows the heart, right? That's verse 27. Like he knows what's going on in and through us. And so instead of playing this game where we shove it down under the water or we pretend to hide it, God just goes, pray the beach ball. Like pray your thoughts. Pray your honesty. Pray your heart. Pray your anger. Pray your confusion. Just pr- like bring it to me. Because if you don't bring it to me, how am I supposed to help change it? Right? He's saying, come to me, come to me in the mess, be honest. And so for many of us, we need to understand in our prayer life that we've projected this idea that like, well, it's not nice. <laughs> it's, it's Read the Psalms, you guys, Like, right? Like, like there, There's things that the author of the Psalms are just saying in full honesty, they're praying the beach ball to go like, just, just be honest, be messy. There's freedom to that with what the Bible teaches us. And we need to kind of unlearn some of these practices so that we can learn to be honest with God. So pray the beach ball, right? That's what this is saying. This idea we we talked about in the liturgy that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. He wants us to come with our mess to him. He wants us to come with all the challenges, with all the confusion of what your situation is. He's saying, come, let me help you. Let me be with you in your pain." So it says, uh, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Spirit, God himself, intercedes for us in those moments when we don't know what to do. The the word intercede is just to kind of step in or intervene. I don't know if anybody stepped in or intervened for you in any type of situation. Um, uh, My wife and I typically... When we have to purchase a vehicle, we, we try to purchase a, um, a gently used vehicle, and then we buy it, and we drive it till the wheels fall off. And then we're just like, okay, let's, let's see again where we can find another vehicle and drive it till the wheels fall off. So uh, my truck, uh, my, my last car, with like the wheel, like I was literally driving down Bell Road, and the brakes, the brakes weren't working. And I was like, well, I guess this is time, right? Like, um there was a season where I couldn't get in my door because the door handle broke. So I was like, well, I'll just go around to the passenger side, and then I'll open it from that. Like, that's my mentality. I was like, oh, it's fine. Let's just let's keep going until it doesn't work anymore. So I'm driving, and the brakes the brakes aren't working. I'm pumping them, and I drive it straight to the mechanic. And, you know, I'm going like, maybe it's brake fluid. You know, like, uh, yeah, right? He's like, oh, yeah, you need a whole overhaul. I was like, yeah, don't do anything with it. Uh, let me pick it up. And I drove it straight to the dealer. So... I'm not a a wildly uh, cutthroat negotiator, not in my skill set, especially when it's something I don't know, and so I call up my brother, who is very wily uh, in all of his life, and so I was like, hey, man, I got to get a new car. Can you come to the dealer with me? Oh, he's like, oh, yeah, I'll come with you. Great. So he steps in, and he intercedes for me. We go, and I'm just sitting there. You know how it is at the car dealer. It's like, you're there for like six hours, and they're trying to bring you food. It's like this whole game they play, right? Like, um, and so I, I, I'm not good in that space because I'm like, what's the cost? Let's, let's just cut. Let's. But my brother loves it. It's like a game to him. He's like, oh, And then the guy would leave, and he'd he just go, here's what we're going to say. Here's what I want you to say. I was like, but that, like, I can pay that. No, 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 I don't want you to say that. I don't want you to say that. I want you to say, you can only do this, your wife is on, like, I'm like, is this lying? I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what, like, morally, I feel conflicted, uh, but he was stepping in in that space because he knew how to deal with uh, a salesman, and we got an unbelievable deal. I'm like, I'm very thankful for him to step in because I didn't know how to do it. And what the text is saying is the spirit steps in for you when you're in so much pain that you don't know what to pray for. The spirit says, it's okay. Let me step in and let me help you in your pain. Just like Morgan, if you were here last week, she talked about um, being a midwife and the closer um, the the, the woman got to labor, she would physically get closer to her. And just to remind her, it's true. I'm right here. One more push. You're gonna be okay. Okay. Right, and the Spirit, um, in a sense, steps closer to us in our pain, interceding for us with groans that don't even express words going like, I know what you're feeling. I know your pain. Keep trusting me. Keep trusting me. Keep praying. Keep coming to the throne of grace. We need to be reminded of that. Psalm 42 talks about... Deep calls to deep, and Watchman Nee writes about this, and he says, only a call from the depths can provoke a response from the depths. There's some things that you're in so much pain, you don't even know what to say, you're so disoriented, and this spirit steps in and intercedes for you, groans that are too deep for words. Man, that's comforting that you're not alone in your pain, that God is with you in your pain. And he's continuing to invite you to move into the process with him. Because again, our pain so, is so disoriented. We don't know what to pray, but the Spirit uh, was with the Father and the Son, molding and shaping and creating the world. He knows exactly what to pray, and He knows exactly what we need. And man, we just live in a broken world. And so our sin, when we go to prayer and God, man, man our sin is just tangled and enmeshed with, with what we pray. Like, I'm, I'm like, I, I don't, is this good to pray this? Like, I, I'm not sure. Like, one time I was praying for a coach to get fired, and then they did. It, it's like, I don't know if I should be praying this, but it's like, pray the beach ball. It's like, well, I'm trusting that God is going to work all that stuff out. All my sin, all my junk, all the things that I go like, okay, I'm just going to be honest in my prayer life, and he's going to go, trust me, I'm going to translate, I'm going to intercede for you. He steps in on our behalf. Uh, instead of going like, ah, I don't think I can pray this because it's, 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 it feels messy, it feels confusing, if ah, I don't know what to do, and the Lord says, just keep coming. I'm going to test your heart. I'm going to know what God's will is. The Spirit is saying that, like, keep coming. When we are in pain, we can become paralyzed in prayer because of our perfectionistic practices, and then we don't pray. Right? In my weakness, right? in your weakness, in your suffering, if you're feeling weak, um, for me, in my weakness, my first move is usually to production. I can do it. I can fix it. Here, let me try this. Let me change this. When I feel weak or something happens, like I want to step in, I want to grab control, and I'm gonna go. Oh, okay, this is what I'm mean. to do. If that doesn't work, my second move in weakness is usually this kind of like paralyzed posture. Like, I tried it. I don't know, God, whatever, whatever. Josh is moving himself, God, I don't know, you know? Like, I, like ah. And I just kind of feel like a victim and just kind of feel like throw my hands up or whatever, and I don't do anything and I don't pray. Instead of in my weakness, my first move being to production or my second move uh, acting paralyzed, uh, in my weakness, my first move, our first move, our first posture needs to be to prayer. To go, God, I can't do it. God, I can't fix it, but Spirit, you're with me. Help. I need help. I need you to help me in my pain. I need you to help me in my confusion. Comfort me. Meet me. Guide me. And when your posture is that, it may not fix your circumstances right away. It may not fix your circumstances eventually. You may have more pain coming, but you're not alone in your pain. And the Spirit says, I'm right here. Stay with me in this process. Don't be paralyzed, but come to me. Come messy to me. Pray the beach ball. Another illustration that's been helpful as we kind of close down is this idea um, that see Jesus is used as well. Uh, and, and if again, if you were in that prayer training, um, you heard this, but I love um, the picture that, that Mark paints in Mark chapter 10, Verses 13 through 16, there's this interaction, and, and you guys have maybe seen this or heard this before, but in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, it says this, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, he placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. The disciples are clearly frustrated here because they're on mission. They have somewhere to go. Like, people need to hear. Jesus is only here so long. Like, like, like what are you doing? You're, these kids are blocking us from our mission. And Jesus says, No. They are the mission. Let me help you understand. And when you think about little children, some of you work over there, you, you help out with uh, the toddlers. My wife is one of them. Um, she loves the toddlers. They're just, I mean, uh, they're trying. That's, I feel like toddlers is maybe the hardest class to, to be in. Maybe not. but. Um, they can't quite communicate all the way. They don't have all their words yet. They're walking, but they still have to get their diapers. Like, it's, it's, it, when you think about little children in that space, how would you describe what a little child is, right? If you think of the words to describe a little child, um, a child is often funny. A little child is honest. The little child is needy. They're dependent on you. They're, they're immature. They're loud. Little children are messy. If we could could sum up the idea of a little child, let's use the word messy. And if we take that text again in Mark chapter 10, and we replace the word child for mess, listen to how it reads. People were bringing messes to Jesus for him to place his hands on, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the mess come to me. And do not hinder the mess, for the kingdom of God belongs to messes. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a mess will never enter it. And he took the mess in his arms, placed his hands on the mess, and he blessed the mess. Man, isn't that beautiful that we can come messy to the Father? That Jesus desires us to be honest with him? In our prayer life, the Spirit intercedes because I don't know about you, but I'm a mess. (laughs) I'm a mess. And that's okay. That's welcomed in the kingdom. That's welcomed. And we need to be reminded of that. And the reason we can come messy is because of the person of Jesus. If you are not a follower of Jesus, if you are not an adopted child of His because you haven't believed in who He is, you haven't given your life to Him, You don't have access to this spirit living in you and you don't have access to the father like somebody that is an adopted child of God. But if you do, listen to what Jesus says in Hebrews chapter 4 about access to him in the midst of our mess, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our weakness. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16 says, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens... that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I was recently listening to a pastor that was talking about this specific verse and just this idea of this language of the throne of grace. So many times God's throne is holy and reverent and true and it should uh, put some type of fear in us to understand he's different than us. But this title in Hebrews that the authors give is the throne of grace that we can come confidently. Oftentimes in our confession or even in our response on Sunday morning, um, we sometimes kind of limp towards the throne, <laughs> like we feel shameful, oh, God, I blew it again, like I don't, I don't know, God, God, does your grace run out on me? And you have confidence because of the work of Christ to move towards the elements, because why? The throne of grace. This pastor was talking about, man, if you went to a restaurant, And the restaurant was called uh, the House of Tacos. And you walked into the restaurant and you kind of sheepishly kind of like, well, I don't, I really love a taco. I don't know if you have tacos. They would go like, like, it's the House of Tacos, man. Like, all we have is tacos. And sometimes we have that posture when we move towards the elements, towards the table. God, I don't know if you can give me grace today. This is called the throne of grace. Come with confidence to the table to remember where your worth is found in your midst of your suffering that God comes alongside you with his spirit to intercede for you. Come and drink. Come and eat. And that's what we need to do. We need to not let our idea of a perfect prayer life and what that means. If I don't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, to, to not let that paralyze us but to let it move us towards the Father, to pray the beach ball, to continue in our pain, to go, God, I need you today. And when you have a posture in that way, watch how we meet you. It'll be the sweetest thing you've ever experienced. Let's remind ourselves of that this morning as we respond. Let me pray. Father, would you be with us this morning in our hearts and our minds, God, as we move toward the table, some of us are feeling very weak this morning. We're weak in our hearts, we're weak in our minds. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to pray. Father, but thank you for sending your spirit to intercede for us with growings too deep for words. We're not alone in our pain. Thanks that you search our hearts and you know What the mind of the spirit is because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of god would we come honestly would we come vulnerable would you help change our narrative to know that we can come just as we are to you and you're going to take that mess and you're going to bless it help us live that out we ask in your son's name amen